What's going on, world? We're back at it again. It's the last episode of the new year, 2021. This is, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bittersweet, I guess. You know, looking forward to the future. But uh, before we get into that, this is the Young and the Rowdies. I'm Patrick Young. Closing it off, talking some Gator basketball right before conference play starts. Obviously, this first game got postponed because of COVID protocols. But we're still going to dive into uh, some stuff pertaining to the season. We've already had a few awesome games, Auburn and, and LSU, if you want to call that a game. Um, Alabama and Tennessee, great matchups there. Uh, but I'm excited for this episode because, um, like I said, it's the end of the year. Um, you guys have done a great job helping me to continue to stay motivated while doing this. And, and it's just been so much fun. Thank you for liking and sharing this show. But this time, this week, we're going to do a little bit different. Um, I have a buddy of mine that's going to be on the show. We ran into each other. Actually, I think it was, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was the night where Alabama, was it was the night where Alabama played, uh, I think, uh, the football, soccer game, football game where, oh, Florida, Florida State. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. Even better. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me introduce a good friend of mine, Rob Lewis. What's going on, Rob? I see that you're a passenger in the car with the Gator shirt on. What's, where are you headed right now? Uh, so we're in central Ohio, Columbus, actually, and we are heading over to uh, south of Pittsburgh to do some tubing. Oh! So, uh, we were hoping to find snow up here. The weather's been weather's been a little warmer than planned, so uh, we're driving over to Pennsylvania to make it happen. Tubing. When you said tubing, the first thing that came to my mind was like going down a river. And I'm like, wait, yep. no, he's talking about yeah. riding down the, the, the snow. Snow tubing, the- yeah. Us Floridians, we think that uh, tubing only happens when you're being pulled by a boat or you're on uh, Jenny Springs kind of lazily with beverage again. But this is, you got to get a little more bundled up. Uh, but it's fun. It's, uh, it's definitely a, a good way to spend a cold day. I think I can remember doing the snow tubing as a, as a kid where we tried to like uh, put a bunch of people on it at once. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so See, dangerous. Oh yeah. You, you, you pile on as many people, um, as many tubes as possible because the extra weight will speed you up. It's, it's the way to do it. <laughs> it's so dangerous. I <laughs> think I, I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, I guess I'd rather be in the back because if you're in the yeah, front, right. there's a chance. You know, you get run over by everybody. Oh, yeah. You, you usually do. Um, but you get up, you knock the snow off, and you, then you get on the conveyor belt and go back up the hill and do it again. Oh, man. So, Rob, do a quick little intro. I guess we'll talk about how we met and this, this just talking yep. about the gate, ba- uh, Gator basketball a little bit and, and your your uh, how you became a Gator fan and all that stuff. You can dive into that. Take as much time as you, as you need. Okay, yeah, so I am a, a third-generation Gator, so my – my grand, grandfather went to UF, actually, when it was an all-boys school. Um, and this is, I'm going to say my only ties to Florida State is that um, his wife went to Florida State when it was an all-girls school. So my grandma is a seminal, not by choice, but by rules. Um, and then my grandfather is, is a Gator. Um, and then my dad got his master's degree from Florida. And that's where I really kind of had my first in-person connection with uh, Florida sports. So when he was getting his master's degree, uh, a certain um, person was getting started as Florida's football coach. That would be Steven Spurrier. Uh, yeah. And so Florida football had a lot of excitement. So I started going to games in Spurrier's first season. Um, and then I was going to basketball games, too. Uh, my dad got season tickets. And we'd watch uh, 
von Kruger skaters. So it's right after Norm Sloan left and, and we kind of gone through a rough patch and von Kruger came in and kind of, uh, you know, he, he revitalized that program and kind of took it to a next level. First final four they ever did was, was under, under that. So I moved away before the final four, but going that season when I was there and, and watching um, Stacy, he was, yeah. yeah, he had race on both of his knees because of injuries. So he wasn't quite the player he might've been had he not been hurt a couple of times, but he was just a dynamic basketball player. And I remember sitting down low underneath one of the goals and watching him cut through defenses and hit the hoop and oh man it was it was electric and it was I was sold so um, you know kept watching them as I moved away my dad was in the army so I moved a lot so um, down to um, from Gainesville we moved to Georgia and then from Georgia to Panama so I'd watch Gainesville but you know got a chance to watch uh, Andrew Clark and Dimitri Hill and Dan Cross all those guys um, such a great team that was the final um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I remember, uh, you know, Stacy Pools Jr., his son, I played with yep. him. Yep. Grew, grew up, we were the same age, grew up with him, played with him, played with him in high school all throughout. And I just remember, yeah, him over at Florida. I think he got hurt in practice. That was the first time I think he, he hurt his knee, but it just, uh, you know, hurt. He heard he was, was he under Lon Kruger first for a little bit? And then Billy? Um, I- uh, no, so so Stacy Pool Senior, I think uh, he graduated before Billy Dee got there. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say he was a junior when I was watching him, so he would have been um, a senior before because uh, he was off. He had already graduated when Florida went to the Final Four, so he was already gone before uh, before Billy got there. But he was. I mean, look, I watched his son play a little bit when he was at Kentucky, and he's a good basketball player, but. He couldn't compete with his dad. His yeah. dad was, I mean, he, he would take over games. It was exciting to watch. Um, wow. And, That's awesome. And, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm too young to have gotten a chance to watch uh, Mad Max and uh, Dwayne Shintz's play. Shintz's? Um, under Sloan. They had great teams in the 80s, but not quite like what Ron Kruger did. And obviously, Billy Donovan came in after that and took it to a very next level. And you were a part of that. Yeah. So what are some of your, uh, I guess I'll take it back to, you know, what there was some football in there, you know, what are some of your memories of when, when coach Spurrier was there? Uh, Cause I'm sure you um, went to a few games. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad had tickets and I'll tell you the first time that I, uh, I uh, really biggest memory I had in that first year was when Florida beat MSU 14 to nine. And it was just amazing. Um, so you know, getting to, uh, I was not at that game, but we drove around campus and watched the campus explode in celebration because, you know, Bobby Bowden had Florida State in a good place. And, um, you know, we weren't quite there as a program yet. Obviously, we became that. But but at the time, you know, Spurrier was still pr- pretty new with Florida and still trying to get his system, trying to get players to buy in, trying to understand, you know, how how he wanted to get where, where we ended up getting. But, uh it was, man, it was amazing to watch that team. And it really, I don't know if I'd have watched Florida football in the 80s as much. I would have been as huge as Florida fan. But watching Spurrier's offenses, watching them throw the ball at will against anyone all over the field. I mean, that's, what a way to watch football. So yeah. It was, it was great. So different back then because everybody was so much bigger and it was all about running the ball and just. Oh, yeah. You know, it Three wasn't about being a, 
Yeah. <laughs> it was defense and it was a line of scrimmage league. And I'll tell you, it's funny to watch now because SEC is a line of scrimmage league. And, um, you know, they pass the ball. Even Bama passed the ball amazingly. But it's, it's all about the front five on offense and the front seven on defense. Those are – that's where you win football games. And I'll tell you, that's kind of where Florida went awry this year is, you know. Yeah. The offensive line is there. I wonder how much different this, if, you know, we, we end up beating Alabama, you know, how close that, that was. And our, it, it, no one was really worried about the defense of Florida, Florida at that point. Not yet. And then it's like, oh, we are our offense, our offense. And then yeah. <laughs> next week, it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's right. No, I, I wondered too in that scenario, um, you know, if Florida beats Bama. Emory Jones is kind of hoisted up on everyone's shoulder at that point. He doesn't hear the same criticism in the first two games. The first two games, it was all about why is Emory starting and saying Anthony Richardson? And it's like, well, you know, he's putting his time and, and he was playing all right. But if we beat Bama, Emory's a hero. And right. everybody in, in Gator Nation is loving him. And then maybe you see a different offense. Maybe you see a different Emory Jones. Um, you know, I don't know him personally. Maybe you still see Dan Mullen. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm really excited for Billy Napier. I think that he's going to um, change the culture, and I think we needed it. I think that there's a, a challenge being successful repeatedly in this league without having the right culture, without having just a grinder yeah. of recruits. Because Alabama's doing it, Georgia's doing it, Kentucky's doing it for crying out loud, and Florida wasn't. You know, Dan Mullen recruited – Okay, I mean, he got some five stars, uh, got a lot of four stars, but it wasn't the same thing as what. Yeah, Bama I think and now. And yeah, he for Coach Napier is obviously coming into a new situation, and you're coming late. He's gonna have, really have to dive into the transfer portal yep. and grab some guys, some guys there. Like he's gonna have to do to make our team, you know, be better than last year and hopefully have players that are ready now versus, you know, you got freshmen coming in that sometimes need a little time to transition. His best bet will be more than likely going to the transfer portal. What do you think of, you know, now that the the way that th things have changed regarding the transfer portal for all sports, you know, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. You know, what's your, your, your take on the transfer portal now? Cause I mean, we look, think at, look at, look at Florida basketball and yeah. the majority of all, the guys playing well, under coach white are transfers. I, I think that um, my first thought when they first started doing it was, this is going to be a mess. Um, but the bigger thing about it is what's best for the athletes. Um, because you got a grown man coming in your home, a millionaire at that, coming in your home and selling you something. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a salesperson come into your door other than the coach. had lots of those. But they're not telling you everything. They're telling you what they want you to so a lot of times you get a guy who, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, it's hard to make a decision. And a coach tells you, they sell you the world because they want you as part of their roster, but you're not their focal point. Once you agree, they move on to the next. Um, right. So, so for the, for the student athletes, it's the most important thing that they be able to make decisions repeatedly. You know, your first decision it's the most important, but if, if you messed up and maybe the coach told you something that wasn't the truth or didn't come to fruition, not necessarily it's a lie, but maybe, you know, you have a chance to become the number one receiver as a freshman. 
and they, someone comes in and they, they outplay you. Um, and instead of you becoming the number two receiver, they redshirt you. And you don't want to redshirt. Maybe you move on. And in basketball, you know, maybe the system doesn't work for you. A guy that uh, yeah. comes in thinking you're going to run a half-court offense, you know, and maybe that's what the works for them. And then coach has to change up systems because some injuries or players change. And all of a sudden you're running a, a, an open, uh, you know, motion offense. And it doesn't work for you as a point guard. You got to go somewhere else to showcase what you're capable of so you can get to the next level. Yeah. Um, yeah, because so, ultimately, like, there's not one, I, I'm not going to say not one, but 90, 90 plus percentage of college basketball players think they're all going to make it to the league. And, yep. you know, and, and not that I'm not going to ever say that they can't, but, you know, you depending on your situation and your your skill set, your nowadays, your age. Um, yep. And it's, it's just so crazy to me because I look at someone like J.D. Davidson, you know, over at Alabama. Really solid point guard. I mean, athletic, extremely athletic, but he, you know, he's projected top 20. And I'm like, this is purely off of potential because he has not been, you know, when I think about Kennedy Chandler over at Tennessee, I'm like, that kid looks good. He looks really good. Jabari Smith, he yeah. looks great. JD Davidson, not there yet. He can't, he, he doesn't have a shot. He's extreme. Like he, he's probably one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic kids in this draft as a guard. Um, but it's just so, so crazy how it's just all off of potential. Cause it, I see, I see it as an NBA program, you know, saying we, we can work with this kid to help him get better, but what if it doesn't work out? You know, you, yeah. you just wasted a draft pick on someone that's and not you only have two or three of them. Yeah. 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 I think though, in, in the projecting kind of thing, uh, the right team picks them up, uh, puts them in the G league uh, right. and, uh, you know, develops them. It's just, College used to be that development, you know. You see it through that. A guy like that would have to develop a shot. Level. Right. Um, but nowadays, but, it's like, you know, if you're going to be one and done, why even go to college? You know, yeah, if you, yeah, it, you yeah, know, go it. go straight to the G League Ignite thing. It's working out. Yeah. It worked out for the one kid over at uh, at Houston. He's Jalen Green. You know, you yep. get paid. You only have to play a few games. You you're getting NBA. Uh, coaching and training and skill development right then and there, and you're playing in that G League, which is more like the NBA than college basketball. So I, I mean, it's 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 gonna it's just so strange because I think the G League Unite is gonna only gonna only gonna grow. I'm not sure how many players are in, yeah. in it right now, but like, why not? Why not? Yeah. If I can make money right now, and you can make money in college with NIL as well. So I mean, it's really up to you. It's it's really. You know, if the end goal for, for players is to, to make it to the NBA, that dream, get their name called on draft night, you know, I'm not going to waste time uh, doing anything that's going to slow me down from, from doing that, from achieving that, you know. That, that, that's just my mindset. I, I agree with you there. I will say, though, um, a lot of – it's a tough decision for a 17-year-old to make. It's tough. Yeah, and you're throwing a couple hundred grand at 17-year-old and saying, come over here. Um and then what are you stepping into? You're stepping into a life of busing from town to town, playing games to press small crowds, um, maybe getting developed, maybe not. You know, I think that that kind of goes into the mindset of the teenager because they have to go in there and grind. They have to work. If they think it's going to be a, like a cakewalk walking into these, they're not going to develop and they're going to end up passing up millions by going, but they would have gotten to go to college for a year or two. 
and then going to pros because they make a couple hundred grand for the G League and then they don't pan out and they never make it to a you know to an NBA arena. Um, you know when when I was at UF, um, there were a couple of guys. Kwame Brown was one that was he was committed to UF, um, but Michael Jordan and the Wizards watched draft him number one, so he didn't go to college. And I watching him in the NBA, he had a great long career, not a great career, but a long career. Made plenty of money, but his career probably would have been better if he'd have gone and played under Billy Donovan for a year to kind of develop and grow. Yeah, up. maybe a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, then, you know, I think I remember Donovan telling me a story about uh, Kwame Brown. I think when they I think they had him on campus or before he decided to go pro. And Kwame was just kind of, hey, he asked coach, you know, how long do I need do I need to play this before I can quit? You know, kind of thing. Just like he didn't really love the game, love the process, love the work, love like LeBron's a good example because he's not perfect, but as far as someone that has truly desired that inner drive for greatness, you know, I, I can't say it seemed like Kwame just want. He didn't, he, he won't make enough so he could relax, you know, and, and yeah. he definitely did that. He achieved that. Yeah. And it's just, it's just tough when people on the outside put expectations on somebody like that, when their, their heart's not in, like if, if not, but should he have gone number one? If, you know, Michael Jordan and everyone else would have really known where his heart was with the game, yeah. they would have said, okay, he's really good, but we're probably not going to take him one, but take somebody else that, that we know, is going to at least be committed to the committed to you know the long term and yeah you're right Kwame had a long career he he got made fun of <laughs> he got picked on pretty bad this year I don't know, I remember who he was who he was getting on but they they pulled the tape out and just saw how he he wasn't catching the, like he looked he had some really bad clips uh, out there in the NBA yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean look he was not maybe like I said, maybe if he'd gone to UF for a year or two, but if his heart wasn't in it, his heart wasn't in it. And, yeah. You know, going to college or not, because another kid that I think wanted to go pro right out of high school but couldn't was Donnell Harvey. He went to UF, played for Billy Donovan, and every time I saw him on campus, he did not look comfortable. Um, mm. Just a great basketball player, man. The, the, the guy could pre-map when he's undersized for power forward. And, you know, I think he played for the Mavericks a year or two. He didn't have a long career, but he got a couple of years. Hopefully he's got a great head fight. But that guy, when I watched him in college, I mean, the sky is the limit for him. Because uh, he was a He did the dirty work on the boards. Yeah, I heard nothing but great things about hey, – still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Hold on, let me try to switch my switch my Wi-Fi. Hello? I got you. Got me? Okay. Yep. Well, Rob, let's let's switch it up a little bit. You know, we uh like I said, we were we were bonded over watching over some some uh Florida basketball. You know, what what have you seen? Um, what have you seen so far with uh, the Gators this year? Yeah, I, it's all defense all the time. The, the, the team is built around defense, and I love watching them because you think back to all the Gator teams that have, have had great seasons. 
nobody gets uncontested shots. Uh, you know, challenge down low. Uh, I mean, these guys, they've got quick hands, quick feet, great anticipation. Um, I, I don't this might be the best defense I've seen uh, under Gator. It's, it's spectacular. Now, if they could work on that shot, um, yeah. because their offense goes flat and but you look at all those transfers, um, Jones, the Fleming, uh, McKissick, those guys, they're all defense all the time and they'll challenge yeah. anybody for the ball. It's yeah, from what, I, what I've seen, I so... to you, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, Sam, when I was talking to you um, after the Florida Florida State game, I was just like, the last time I saw a team this committed to defense was a team that you played on. Yeah. You know, Scotty Wilkinson, uh, you get uh, those, those guys in case you create their guys with dynamite. That's, that was your calling card. It's the same way this year. And hopefully we get kind of some gel on offense because they're already gelled on defense. If they can just kind of come together on offense. This team can go far in March and playing in April. Yeah, that's the hope. I think, uh, you know, with this Florida team right now, you know, they have to bring that defensive energy every game. First off, that's got to be their identity, their foundation. Um, if it's not there and they're not making shots because they're not, you know, offensively, they're not uh, a great scoring team. You know, Kentucky is the, the highest scoring team in the league. And I've seen, you know, watch, I watched a lot of their games this year. They're scoring, putting up 83 points. A night yeah. they hit they hit their their number uh, two nights ago against Missouri the other night as well. Um, you know, Coach White is striving. You know, beginning of the year, try try to get this offense like free flowing uh, with the five out the motion offense, and I think he's striving to adjust for the team to focus on sometimes a little bit more set calling. Sometimes you know, slow it down, get the ball into Colin um, because Colin is just so efficient. Um, you know, he, he, he makes, he doesn't turn the ball over much. He gets good shots. You know, even if he misses, he's getting up a good shot. His shots are high percentage. He gets the ball out. Um, I think sometimes the, the, the Gators decision-making on some shot selection hasn't been the best, you know, you, they're not a, they're, you know, they're not a consistently bad shot taking team, but it's just, sometimes they take up uh, quick ones. After you know the 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 IQ and awareness has to be there of like okay, we've missed our last three four or they're on a run. We got to get a good one. We got to make make them play a little bit of defense before taking up this next shot, unless it's you know wide open. Um, but I've I've been really impressed with the maturity of you know Anthony Deruji coming into this last year. Um, a really re- has been big. yeah Deruji's been that game against. Ohio State, that alley-oopy call, man, that was insane. I think we, we were texting each other. <laughs> All right, I, call, I yeah, called you. Yeah. I called, yeah, I had yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that, that was – that game, I mean – That was the best defense they played all year. And that, yeah, it, yeah. I would say their defense kept them in that game. Maybe you can say Florida State game was the best, but I think the Ohio State game, Ohio State game. Was, was huge for how they came. Their defense brought them back in the game. Yeah. And, and, and we see what happens when they don't bring Texas Southern. You know, they came into that game, looked lifeless, looked like they didn't even care. Um, it showed the final score. Yeah, it did. It did. But you know what? I hope that it's a good reminder for that team every time they go on the court that if they don't show up, 
defensively. They're going to lose every game. Yeah. There's no gimmies in college basketball. You know, every single team in D1 college basketball can win a game. You might say no, not against like the Dukes and Kentucky's in the world, but I mean, Kentucky loses some silly games every once in a while under Calipari too. Yeah, they so, do. I mean, we all we, we can't forget too quickly how last season for Kentucky yeah. basketball went. You know, nine and six. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was last year, and and you know, Calipari's a great recruiter, and obviously he's won the titles. So he's a pretty good coach, um, but any coach can deal with it. I mean, before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet. Now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one play through to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new rush pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today. Or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambling. Yeah. Even Coach K, he's had some silly losses over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I think we Honestly, I think Kentucky's got, they look a lot better uh, since that loss they had against Notre Dame. And that was, yep. that was unreal how they lost. They got out rebounded, they shot two of 19 from three. Uh, turn the ball over so much. The turnovers leading to bat, easy baskets. And, they, yeah. Yeah. And, and for us, I mean, like if you can't, because a lot of those things can happen as far as like shooting poorly from the three, that can happen. Yep. Any game. Happen hey, take care of the ball. No live, live ball turnovers are the ones that drive coaches crazy where they just, it, you know, it turns over to an easy, easy two points for the team the other, yep. the opposite way. And, and rebounding, you know, it's, it's not all just, uh, talent there. A lot of that is effort and mindset of like, hey, we're going to go get the ball and being physical. So I think um, I think our team or the team has a great chance uh, this year. The game against Stony Brook, they look great. That was probably one of the best games yeah. Yeah, that they, I they, they looked played. excellent. But you know, Stony Brook was pretty undersized. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had some big men, but they weren't. They didn't. They weren't on the level. Right. That one kid, Styles, had like 14. He he was not even like yeah. an expector on the uh, on the scout report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was styling against us for sure. Um, but you know what? Uh, I think that if Florida brings the defensive energy, they can compete with anyone. Go up against Kentucky and get them off their shot and start start frustrating them early in the game and and you know get them pressing and and you can you can beat a Kentucky. You know you can beat Tennessee. I'm not saying Florida's going to go 18 and 0 in, in yeah. SEC play, but I think they're going to they're going to make some noise. I think whatever they pick to finish seventh in the SEC. They're predicting seventh. Yep. Yeah, and I I think that watching them the first 12 games, I would say that if they keep this up, they're going to finish the top three or four. Uh, I think that's yeah. an easy goal. It's a, tough, it's a deep uh, league this year. I mean, I, it is. You know, I think Alabama, seventh is easy. We'll get in. Alabama hasn't looked. You know, for the tough games, they've shown up pretty well, except for the game against Memphis. I mean, that was a must-win game for Memphis when uh, and, and Alabama yeah. lost to them. You know, they, if Memphis at home, number two recruiting class, lost four. They had lost four straight. Um, they just played 
the, the, the thing that's hurting for Alabama basketball is their inside presence. Um, and Noah Gurley had a great game for Alabama against Tennessee recently, which was pretty, a pretty good sign for them because, you know, they have the guard play. Uh, I don't think J.D. Da- J.D. Davidson, I think he has uh, not, not going to say peaked, but he's just shown, shown his weaknesses for yeah. – and he's – like he, he has to – because he's so fast. He gets out. He dribbles hands the ball. Even if you're not getting a basket and you get the ball in your hands, push that thing like you're going to attack the basket every time. Yep. Because yep. he, he, I think one game he ended up with like, uh, I think it was probably Memphis. I think he ended up with zero, maybe two or three points and 10 assists. And I'm like, that is because you bring such a threat to the team to, cause they know they, no one, they don't want you to dunk. They don't want you to yeah. dunk. So you're going to suck the defense in and you're going to be able to pass it out. Um, but, you know, Kentucky looks really good. Like the kid, Oscar Sheeway, he's unbelievable. He's averaged in the last three games. He had 20 rebounds last game. Um, he had 28 the game before that. And I think he had like 16 the game before that. So he's been unbelievable. Um, Ty Ty Washington looks really good. Starting to get get there. Xavier Wheeler. He's This Kentucky team is, is – they're actually getting really, really good. Uh, LSU got exposed. Um but the reason LSU got exposed, I was saying this last game, uh, Walker Kessler protected the mess out of the rim. You know, he had 11 blocks uh, early on in the game. LSU LSU is not like a great three-point shooting team. You know, they play they de- they, defense. Their defense turns in it and it lights up their offense. And they were just taking such bad shots. They were intimidated going to the rim, not making threes, taking – the score was 18 to one at one point at like 10 minutes into the first, into the first half. I was like, what is going on? Auburn looks good. Auburn might be, they might be my pick or right. My, the team that I'm looking at to, to, to win the league. I'm looking forward. I think uh, Auburn, Auburn and Kentucky is coming up soon. Tennessee looks pretty good too. I just, you know, Barnes gets them ready. Yeah. I just really hope that uh you know covid covid doesn't really disrupt the you know and there's a lot of what ifs should have yeah. could have we didn't have our best because you know tennessee didn't have kennedy chandler or john fulkerson in that game against alabama um yeah. so that impacts them i mean that's a, that's, oh, that's dude. A big hits. yeah your starting point like your starting point guard and then your fifth year your fifth year senior not that's a very you know a contributing player not like he's a fifth year guy that just sparingly knows the starter uh not being able to to be out there so it's it's been a heck of a grind this year I couldn't imagine I couldn't you know for me I couldn't imagine have being uh you know Kerry Blackshear on my senior year and not getting a chance to play in the tournament you know and for all those those that didn't get that opportunity you know that 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 was rough Mm. had to be really rough because I I I mean you got to play in the tournament a couple of years, and that that had to be amazing. Um, yeah, I remember going to games um, and, and, and watching the Gators play in the tournament. I've traveled to traveled to Orlando. I've tra- obviously it's coming to Jacksonville a couple of times, but I mean, postseason basketball is just dude, you can't beat it. Yeah, college football is never able to recreate what college basketball did. Never did. So they, they're always going to be second place to, to March Madness. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. I I um, I, I can remember just how much class we missed, and that's not a we missed so much class because of the tournament. 
but yeah. it was such an awesome blessing, man. Just, um, you know, we went short, fell short three, three years in a row at the elite eight, but still, you yeah. know, we won through, I think we had won three games to get there, you know, to each, yeah. each year, um, you know, how much we got to travel. We got such great, awesome opportunities. I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And I just, uh, you know, there's, there's been so many guys that have never gotten an opportunity that have had good careers and never even had the opportunity to make it to the tournament. So I'm, I'm super, I'm super grateful for it. I'm really can't, you know, can't put it in words. Um, but then, uh, you know, what, what's your take on, you know, just the state of Florida basketball in general with under, under coach white, what you've seen, obviously there's been some, some losses that he's had um, sometimes where coaching has been questioned. Uh, especially you look at that Oral Roberts game last year when he slowed yep. the pace down. Um, but overall, you know, what's been your your take on Coach White in his in his seventh year as a, the head ball coach? It's been seven years. Wow. Seven, uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 this is the third Gator coach I've got a chance to watch. Um, and I've been a fan of all three. Um, Ron Kruger, great. Obviously, we know what Philly did. Um, but Mike White probably has the toughest job following the bench. His name's on the court. You have to walk across that every day. No way you can't be reminded of that. Um, so he's got a tough job just in that. And as Gator fans, we have the most unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, we think we're due or Kentucky or Kansas world, and we're not. You know, we're a, a young basketball program that's been we've been doing this for 25 years. It seems like all those years before that were just warm ups for for what we're doing now. And, yeah. You now he, he's. He, he does a, I think he does a great job. He, he, it's a different basketball world than when Billy was there. Never, I don't think they'll be back. So he's got a tough job, but his his recruiting, he's, he's hit some some really good recruits and, and he's missed some. But I think he's got. Um, and it's part of basketball. I know some people might say you got it. You got to just get recruits in, and, and you know, the great teams don't hit the portal, but they all do now. Kentucky hits the portal too, every yeah. level, and use the portal. So it's it's part of basketball. He uses it. It's you know one more thing in your toolkit, if you will. So he does a great job. But I love how he re, rebuilt his team on the fly and yeah. found guys that he wants a system. He wants. So, Rob, yeah, I mean, this is a uh, Coach White's seventh year. Um, you know, you've, uh, I think it's your, will be your third coach that you've uh, had under, you know, watching Florida basketball. You know, what is your take on, obviously, it's a, Coach Spurrier always would say this, you don't want to be the guy after the guy. So, uh, <laughs> so what's been your take on how uh, Coach White has been leading our program so far? Yeah, first off, man, I, seven years, that's wild to me. I didn't. I, didn't realize it had been that long, but, I mean, he's got a tough job. Um, as you mentioned, this is the third job I've watched. I've had the pleasure of watching. Uh, Lon Kruger, I loved watching. Uh, Billy Donovan, we know what he did. But Mike White's got a tough job trying to follow um, Billy Donovan. I mean, the name's on the court. The man's a legend. Two national titles. Just took basket, Florida basketball to a, another stratosphere. Um, but he was – I mean, Billy wasn't perfect. Uh, I went – and watched him 
coached the Gators in the NIT the year after their second national title. Um, so he, you know, it, 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 basketball is basketball, and Florida is not on the level of Kansas and Kentucky and Kansas. So, so our fans, we need to stop being as unrealistic as we are. Mike White's a great coach. He's a great hire. Um, he, he gets out there. He, he, he has done a great job of using recruiting and the transfer portal to kind of build the team how he sees fit. I love what he's done with the portal this year, kind of redefining the team on the fly. The team that was there last year and the team that we have now are so different. And, you know, I, every, every year I enjoy watching Florida basketball. I can't say there's been a year of my life that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah. This is one of those years where I watch it and say, man, this team has the potential to do something in March and April that we don't do all. Right. Um, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. You know, we're spoiled as Gator fans. How many schools can say they have two basketball national titles? Not many. Um, and been a five Final Fours. And, and this is all since 96 um, or 94. Um, so we're talking you know, less than 30 years. Yeah. The five Final Fours. We've been to countless Elite Eights. I mean, that, that it's a special program. It's not Kentucky. It's not Duke. It's not North Carolina. It's Florida basketball. And yeah. Mike White's doing a great job as a shepherd of it. Um, I'd love to see him coach there. I'd love to be talking to you about this in 13 years when we're saying, man, Mike White's been there 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and watch, watching Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, you always thought was going to jump to the pros because he's such a, a gym rat basketball guy, more so than a college guy. You know, the recruiting part he was good at. He was really good at it because he's such a basketball guy. But Mike White, and I don't know personally, but he seems like he's a college guy. Yeah. I don't see him as, as yeah. well, maybe it's the grass is greener over there. Maybe I can go to the NBA and show how good I am. I think he's a guy that he wants to teach kids, you know, young men to be better basketball players, to be better people. And that's, you can only do that in college sports, you know? Um, so he's, I think he's, he's in a good place. And I hope he feels comfortable in Florida for a very long time. I hope so. I think, I think he feels pretty comfortable. I think, um, you know, it's just so tough sometimes when you're, you, you bring in such great assistant coaches that end up getting jobs some other places, you know, and, you know, I think every, every, every assistant coach more than likely is looking for their shot one day because it's a lot to go into coaching is, you know, it's a lot of due diligence before you get your opportunity and, um, you know, Coach White started where he had to start to get each job. And, you know, I think he started as a GA at Ole Miss, and, you know, had to work yep. his way up. And I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't, to me, he doesn't strike me as a guy that looks like he's going to the NBA or like thinking about going anywhere anytime soon. He's the, a man that is very great at being present um, and just focusing on what he needs, he can control and being the best at what he can do right now, um, which is pretty awesome. I think, I think, you know, when we, the grand scheme of things, we have a very limited amount of control um, yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, Coach White, you know, it's a learning process for like, this is the biggest job that he's had as a, as a coach. And, yeah. um, you know, he was extremely grateful for it. It wasn't, he came in the right way with humility. Uh, he's doing whatever he can to, and understanding like, hey, Billy D is Billy D and I'm, and I'm who I am. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to strive to achieve all those levels. He was, you know, one game away from the final four in 2017. Yep. 
against South Carolina team that he was up against. They were up against. Uh, they were they were they were that close. Um, you know, and and I think you know when it comes to the talent level of this team, come March, like you said, I think they have a chance to make a really good run. I think this league SEC is going to have uh, six or seven, probably seven teams that make the tournament. Seven. This yeah. year, um, I think Mississippi State, they actually look pretty good, too. They're not yeah. great at closing out games, um, but they're pretty – Arkansas has been disappointing. You know, without yeah. J.D. without JD Note, like, ooh, I don't know who they are. <laughs> you know what? If they can put it together and make a run in, in SEC play, and then we're talking about that play in March. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's one of the good things about this league right now. I, rem- I, I remember when – like we were talking about maybe three Florida or three SEC teams in the tournament. And then all of a sudden they just started like from the commissioner's office down, we need to improve our basketball scheduling. We need to improve our basketball coaches to improve our teams. And now, I mean, we have this for one of the, if not the strongest, one of the top three conferences in college basketball. I think, I think top three for sure. Top, top three. Yeah. yeah. As far as the number of teams that are going to make the tournament this year, um, definitely in that mix. Um, have you ever had, had a chance to uh, interact with Coach Donovan, or uh, have you ever got a chance to meet him yet? I've met Donovan once, um, and, but he was young in his career because I was I was um, there in time like his first five on the court. So I got a chance to meet him when I was working out of Weimar Hall, um, and you know he's he's a captivating person. Um, I can see why you can go into someone's living room and say, come play basketball for me. And, and you want to, because he knows the stuff. He's so, um, such a kind dude and such a smart guy uh, and just exudes um, basketball knowledge. He's so, so basketball, um, just all basketball all the time, that guy. But he's, he's, you know, the other things that he does, you know, raising money for children's hospitals yeah, and, and being such a great family man and being such a great kind of, um, so I've always been there for his coaches. Yeah, all the things about him are great. I mean, Florida struck gold with Billy Donovan and, yeah. and, and couldn't be happier with what he developed at Florida. And, you know, I, I get it with his concept of, you know, what he wants to do with his career. I understand him wanting to move on to the NBA and he had a, he had a great opportunity at Oklahoma um, with Coach of the Thunder. Kind of hoped he would have uh, been able to do a little more with Durant. And, uh, and he was him. right there. They were up 3-1. Yeah, they were at the cusp. And, and in, his, in his first year, they were right there. Yeah. And, and, and it was – but I, I think that that goes kind of to the players more so than the coach because, you know, you ask me all day, every day, you want Curry or Westbrook? I'm saying Curry. You know, all day, every day. Westbrook's I mean, look, at, great look at where they are right now in both their, their you know, their careers. Yeah. You know, um, and Westbrook and is far more athletic than what Steph Curry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, Kevin Durant's uh, an amazing scorer. Um, but I, I think I would probably, nine times out of ten, I'd probably take Curry over Durant just because their mindsets. I think that, you know, Curry's just more, I, I, I use this term a lot, but he's more a more dynamic person. He's just, he, he's, I don't think he ever goes in the court and doubts himself. I don't think he ever gets off the court and doubts himself. Whereas I think Kevin Durant worries a lot about what people think about him. Yeah. And right or wrong, you know, um, 
I, I, I don't think Jordan ever spent a moment worried about what anyone thought about him. Um, I think he worried about what he thought about himself. And I think he worried about um, maybe to a point what his dad thought about him. But otherwise, fans, coaches, other players, he didn't care. And I think Seth Curry kind of lives that life. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about me. And it shows on the court. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why he's hit more three-pointers than anyone in the world. Yeah, anybody in the world. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, that's, that's something you can hang your hat on right there. I think so. I, I agree. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, oh, I can't remember who I was speaking to the other day, uh, but they, they were under the mindset of thinking that Coach Donovan might come back to college someday. Yeah. Not I necessarily the sport of basketball, but that he, he is a potential chance that he, I, I mean, Coach Donovan, another guy that is in the moment present, not thinking about the future, thinking about where I am right now. Um, yeah, I can't see him coming, wanting to come back and doing all the recruiting. I mean, he can hire some guys, obviously a good staff to do that with him. But uh, yeah, I just, I can't college, see it right now. College is not the same as it was when he was here eight years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I, again, he wants to coach basketball. That's it. And it works. You know, he's got a large family. He's got a, uh, you know, that's his focus. And, you know, his, his kids are now getting older. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know if he has grandkids yet, but I, I'd imagine if he doesn't, he's, that's not far off. And I can see Billy stepping away from basketball for grandkids more than I can see him coming back. Yeah. I thought he was, I, I honestly thought he was going to retire uh, after OKC and just say, you know, I just want to, focus on family and, you know, relaxing and stuff, but I, you know, he loves it too much. You know, it's uh, it's, it's not a job to coach Donovan. This is part of, this is his lifestyle. Yep. Um, but I wanted to shift, man. I wanted to take a moment to, uh, you know, talk about some other things that you're doing. Cause I think it's really important to, for, uh, you know, basketball and sports are great, but there's a uh, plenty of other greater causes and, and things in this world that need to be highlighted and, and uh, yours specifically. Uh, you're working for the uh, the Wounded Warrior Project, and would love to hear um, uh, all about it. Yeah, so um, I've been with Wounded Warrior Project now about six and a half years. Uh, so I came here after a 15-year career in broadcast journalism. So I uh, behind the scenes uh, producing and then managing in television news, and uh, did a story with the Wounded Warrior Project, and just kind of walked away from that story, saying that's that's a place I can be. Um, and so I made the jump uh, and now I work in uh, public relations. So I'm a senior public relations specialist helping kind of spread the word about Wounded Warrior Project and tell people about the programs and services we provide to wounded veterans um, free of charge. So we help veterans with uh, mental and brain health, we help them with physical health and wellness, uh, career counseling, long-term rehabilitative care. We do a lot of things to try and make sure that men and women who served their nation and got hurt. Um, we try to make sure their transition back to civilian life is as easy as possible. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it's, I grew up in a military family, so this was something that hit very close to home for me. I, I, I know what it's like to, to see the toll that just being in the military takes on a family, much less having to deal with a wound or an illness from your service. Um, so, it, it, it was a no-brainer to go work for them. And then when I got there and realized kind of, I knew what the Warrior Project did, but when I got there and realized it was so much more than what I knew, 
um, you know, in 20, 2016, we launched um, a, what we call Warrior Care Network, which is a, uh, it's four PTSD treatment centers um, at four medical centers around the country. One's at uh, uh, home base up in uh, Boston. They're tied to Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, one's at Emory. It's the veterans program there. We have um, Road Home at uh, Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. And then we have Operation Men at um, University of California, Los Angeles. So, um, you know, great facilities, but we started work in 2016 to improve PTSD. PTSD is a, a big challenge for veterans. Um, it's been a challenge for service members for generations, but we didn't know what it was. You know, in World War II with Vietnam era, we called it shell shock. You know, people would come back from war and they wouldn't be the same as when they left. Say, well, yeah, they, they, they saw a lot of stuff, they experienced a lot of stuff, but it's that trauma and how our body responds to it. Um, it's post-traumatic stress and it's a natural response. Everyone that's ever been through a traumatic experience in their life, whether they served or didn't, um, has experienced PTSD in one shape or form. But, you know, the post 9-11 group, there's more than 600,000 of them that we think are living with symptoms of PTSD. Wow. Uh, and not everyone realizes uh, because one of the things about PTSD is it's 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 not fully understood, and it's a it's it's an ailment of isolation. So a lot of times, when somebody is dealing with PTSD, their first thing is they don't want to be around other people. Right. So they may they may become a shut in. They may you know stay in their home or you know rarely leave their home. I've talked to veterans who didn't even feel comfortable going to the grocery store. Well. You think about those things that we take for granted. Yeah, you know, I go to the grocery store all the time. I just walk through, wave at people, say hi to strangers, grab my groceries, um, and then go home and, and make food. But these men and women, some of them aren't comfortable in that scenario because they've been trained and taught to, um, you know, to that things around them hurt them. You know, when you're in a war zone, you have to, have to stay vigilant. What's over there? You know. Who's that person coming towards me? Those things, you, you, it's ingrained in you when you're in the military and when you're deployed and you're at work. So when you come back to civilian life, it's hard to kind of put that behind you. Um, and that's where, you know, we come in and we can help. And these clinics will bring someone in uh, for two to three weeks. They go through a year's worth of clinical mental health treatment in the span of two to three weeks. And it's different kinds of treatments to make sure we find what works for them. It's group therapy. It's one-on-one -on -one sessions with clinician um couple that with mindfulness like yoga and tai chi to kind of help you that's awesome because it's a challenge um and then um you know but the idea there is you're going through this treatment with other veterans you've got a support structure and yeah. when you're done with it you still get follow-up care to make sure that you're still using what you learn um yeah and, and that one's been really special to me but you know like we, we have a, a number of programs that, that work to help ptsd um so just really really special organization that, that i'm proud to be a part of and uh what's really great too is we don't take any government funding everything that we do is provided by the generosity of the american public so That's donors awesome. fund our programs that serve men and women who serve our nation it's a great way to give back um and it's just a really special place to be that's amazing. That's amazing. So our, I know there's a the building that's here. There's a building here in Jacksonville. Our headquarters here in Jacksonville. Um, yeah. So, yep. So uh, they started Virginia in 2003, and then 
2005, moved headquarters to Jacksonville. Okay. Um, and have grown. Uh, now we have um, teammates in 25 cities um, around the country. We have more than 15 offices. We have a setup in a Landstuhl uh, Medical Center in Germany so that when uh, anyone's hurt um, while deployed overseas, Landstuhl is kind of a stopping, a stopping ground to kind of treat them and stabilize them before you bring them back to the States. So almost anyone that gets wounded overseas, it's still happening. Even though we're not in wars in Afghanistan, Iraq anymore, people that serve in the military get hurt on a regular basis. Um, and so that hospital is very busy. And we have teammates there that greet these men and women while they're in that hospital. They give them comfort items. We're still giving the backpacks we started out with in yeah. 2003. You know, we started out giving backpacks to veterans at hospitals in the U.S. when they come back from um, wherever they were hurt. And then as we've grown, we've added all these life-saving programs, but you know, we still do the backpacks. So if somebody's awesome. wounded and goes through the hospital, there's still the scenario where they're stuck in a hospital bed with one of those backless gowns um, and nothing of their belongings. So we bring them clothing, we bring them comfort items, um, and, and we bring them support. That's awesome. I love I love that you're um, that you're a part and that there's such a you know I'm sure you're how how much long do you want to work with continue to work I mean I, I can see you know, uh, the passion and it, it's like you probably don't even see it as work it's just like you know service <laughs> to the greater good and and something you probably feel like a duty um, I would say in a sense so um, it's, yeah go it's ahead with definitely rewarding yeah um, you know one of the things too is a lot of there's a lot of thought out there. The wars are over, so we're all right. I'm like, no, there's still hundreds of thousands of veterans that are coming back and living with, with the wounds from those wars. Wounds and they, and those don't go away. Yeah. You know, um, so we what we'll do over the next generation is we will evolve to meet the needs of these men and women. Yeah. As they age, what they need will change. Yeah. So we'll have to evolve over the next few decades to make yeah. sure that we adjust our programs to where they're at. There's a um, there's another organization here um, that works with uh, veterans. I can't uh, tell you the exact name right now, but I had a really good conversation with them because I think athletes, obviously not to the level of of uh, our uh, veterans, um, they kind there's a a um, some type of a, a small similarity of when an athlete oh, yeah. finishes when their career is done. When they they've been, you know, for me, for other guys that you've grown up, you've trained and lived this certain lifestyle of being an athlete from early years till middle till teenage to profession to college and professional, and say you play until you're 35, and then all of a sudden that's done. You know what's next? How do, who am I? You know, and for obviously it's wait for our veterans, for the people that are Army, military, Navy. Uh, that have gone out and have been told and followed this routine for a long time, coming back to normalcy in there and finding that identity is, is for them, it's a lot more because they've gone through a lot more actual traumatic and, and things that are a lot more meaningful versus, you know, just putting the ball in the hoop. Uh, and you think about the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, obviously our veterans are fighting continue to, to help maintain our freedom. So, you know, everyone else can do these normal mundane things. But like for the, the parallels are like how for both of them, you know, finding your identity and community and people that you can trust and build a new life and understanding like, hey, you can still relate. But life is now and life goes forward. You know, that's it's, it's different. But, you know, the, the biggest part of it all 
uh, for both sides is having that community, having people that you can trust around you that can help, you know, because I think in isolation, isolation is the, the devil's playground. He wants to keep yes. you alone in your thoughts, um, thinking that you can't trust anybody, you can't talk to anybody, um, that you got to continue to live in the past, to live in fear, um, that you to think that you can't create a new life, create a new or whatever. And that can be so dangerous. So it's really awesome that, um, you know, if there's anything I can do to help support, I don't know, whatever, you know, Definitely. as far as like. We'll have to get you in for a tour. Yeah, I would love that. For a tour sometime in January. Uh, the, the parallels for veterans and athletes are, are just crazy. Very striking to think about it. You know, 1% of the nation steps forward to volunteer to join the military to serve our nation. It's few, less than 1% are capable of becoming, you know, playing sports beyond high school and college. Um, and then you look at how, how many people would sign up for a job that's going to break your body. And when you're done with that career, in your mind yep and and the military and sports are, are it where people volunteer to break their mind and body down and then when they're done what you work so hard for your purpose just evaporates yeah it doesn't you know I'm, I'm i'm telling people about my organization i can do that for 20 years easy and it's never gonna i'm not gonna end up with a bad back or, or you know rough knees, I'm not going to have that problem. But like my dad served um, in the army for 30 years. He um, was about four inches shorter than when he joined the army from jumping out of planes with rucksacks on. Um, and he has back problems. He has knee problems. You know, he'll never talk about it. He'll never, never complain about it. But that all comes from serving our nation. You know, I'm sure at a certain point with all that time you spent running up and down with that hardwood floor, your knees are a oh, bigger issue. Than I'm ever going to have. So, so those things are, yeah. you know, very, very strikingly similar. And, and those are the only two fields I can think of where, you know, except maybe mining or construction. Those are the only two other jobs where where you sign up to, to, to basically break your body down. Um, so that transition out of that career, whether it's military or athlete, back into the civilian world where where you've gone through things that other people don't understand. Um, that's that's a, a big challenge that athletes and veterans face. And so yeah. um, making sure that you're connecting with, with other people, whether it's other athletes or, or just anyone that kind of shares those understandings is important and it helps make that transition a little less, uh, a little less daunting. You're absolutely right. Well, Rob, I want to thank you so much for your time as we're wrapping up here. Um, Definitely. It was a pleasure as we're closing up the new year. Happy New Year's Happy Eve. Happy New Year. Closing off 2021, going to 2022. Hopefully, um, you know, the Gators and, and, college, and sports, you know, with this Omicron variant and things going crazy, hopefully games aren't getting canceled left and right. Um, and uh, we'll, we will be able to enjoy this season. But, um, yeah, man, is there anything else you want to leave with the people with before I let you go? I, I, I just want, if anyone has any questions, about Wounded Warrior Project, visit woundedwarriorproject.org. You can read about it. You can, uh, you know, see how we help uh, veterans around the country. Um, and, and if you want to, if you want to support, there's a donate button there. Um, it's tax deductible. So, so, so if you feel feel the need, please give. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Robin, I can't wait. You know, I live I live here near IKEA, uh, so yep. I'm right around the corner from the Wounded Warrior. Uh, headquarters building so i would love it yeah whenever you have time to give me the opportunity 
but ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This was the last episode of 2021. Insane, insane that the year is <laughs> already going. I'm praying for a happy new year to everyone, for safety, for uh, travel wherever you are. Please wear your mask. Uh, stay, don't get the don't get the virus. Do whatever you got to do to stay healthy and safe right now. Uh, but everyone, uh, this is the Young and the Rowdies. Uh, stay tuned for some new content coming up next year. Uh, hopefully the season will continue on continuing on, and I will catch you in the new year.